Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. WestJet may be striking. So all that stuff is just increased in intensity. We've been giving the aviation industry a lot of attention, their woes during the pandemic, and then our rules of flying and our laws and our rights as, as flyers. Joining us is John Graddick, a lecturer with McGill University's Aviation Management Program. John, how are you? Not bad, Arlene. Thank you. Great to have you, John. WestJet business, post-pandemic, all of it. WestJet kind of, it's kind of like the government workers walking out. Clearly, they know what they're doing here, right, with this threat of of strike. Yeah, well, you know, I think that, you know, when you're talking about, you know, the current state of Canadian aviation, the the story with WestJet is a, um, it's going to compound the problems and the issues that Canadian aviation is having. Um, I think that uh, the odds of that strike happening, you know, are are, are getting better that it's not going to happen because I think we've been looking at, you know, a, a 72-hour strike notice that was supposed to have been given uh, for a strike to happen on May 16th. That was not given. There was neither a lockout nor a strike. So, but I understand that talks are still going on, and which is a good thing. And I hopefully that between now and Tuesday, that we'll be in a situation where we'll be able to say that we have a a tentative agreement in place. What are we looking at here? You know, every time we're looking at any kind of a labor situation, we see ourselves in a little bit. It's a little bit about the workers of the future. What does WestJet represent? Well, the, the you know, I think that what you're looking at in, in, in the WestJet situation is really a question about resources that WestJet has had uh, and what those resources mean to WestJet. The pilots are an essential service service provider within WestJet, uh, and, you know, we need those pilots to work. And uh, without those pilots, you haven't got an airline. So it's really important that WestJet recognize the value that these individuals bring to the party, and, and I know they do. The question right now is going to be one of trying to figure out what, the, what an appropriate wage package should look like and what's affordable by WestJet, uh, and I think that's where the, the sticking points are going to be at this point in time. It is. What's it going to do? We're just talking about the price of things, a couple of economic things. First of all, if if WestJet does strike, wow, how much of the market does that take away for Canadian flyers? Well, I think that, you know, the the Western Canadian marketplace is the one that's going to be the most affected, I believe, by the WestJet strike. I think that WestJet has made a very concerted effort over the last six months to kind of rebuild and to reinforce its Western Canadian presence. Uh, So there are a lot of cities in Western Canada that kind of depend on WestJet for services. I don't think there are any that are going to be essential service, that there's nobody going to be losing service air service as a result of a strike. But, you know, there's going to be a significant impact on quite a few Western Canadian markets. I'm not sure whether the existing services that are there besides WestJet could kind of fill in the blanks. Uh, so, yes, there will be some hardship, and there will be people who will have to kind of change their <laughs> travel plans as a result of this situation. All right. You know, when we uh, look at airlines and our ability to travel, it's such a big deal here in Canada. WestJet really offered a lot of opportunities to people, opened up new markets. But they're, as you said, they're focusing. Focusing means they've kind of struck a few areas of our country off. Yeah, they did. They really, when you look at, you know, the presence, if I look at WestJet a year ago, 
on Eastern Canada and looking at the services, let's say, out of Toronto to Montreal or Toronto, Ottawa, or even in, into the Maritimes, uh, you know, they've, they've really retrenched their services and moved those services into into uh, Western Canada. So, you know, they've basically given up uh, most of their intercity operations that they had in Eastern Canada uh, and really built up what I call Fortress Alberta. Uh, and I think they want to really make sure that they've created that uh, that uh, strong Western Canadian presence that will kind of detract from any competitors that thinks they can make an in- inroads into Western Canada. What about the rest of Canada? Big country. We pay a lot to get around it. Sometimes it's cheaper to go to Paris than it is to uh, fly a, a short distance within your own country. Who's going to pick it up? What does the future look? Is it is it grim or happy here on well, getting I, you know, reasonable flights? You know, for domestic Canadian travel, I think that, you know, the days where, you know, going from Calgary to London, you know, or from Toronto to uh, to, to Paris is, you know, cheap, you know, being uh, cheaper than flying, trying, you know, on the trans- transcontinental services in Canada. I think those days are long gone. I think we've got enough competition now in Canada with the ultra low cost carriers like Flair and Lynx, uh, and you've got Porter who's expending their services into, mm-hmm. into Canadian markets. So we've got a significant amount of competition that will keep the Canadian domestic fares at a reasonable level. Except if you want to fly in July and August, where it's going to cost you a fortune, but you know, I think that, you know, the days of Canada being more expensive than the Atlantic, uh, than the North Atlantic are, are pretty well gone. I think we're going to be in a situation where, you know, the North Atlantic international services are going to stay up there in terms of prices and Canadian domestic services will be fairly reasonable. Is is Flair going to make it, John, the budget airline that is making hearts happy, but um, the carry-on very light? Uh, do you think they're going to make it as we oh, know they lost I, a couple yeah. of planes? I think so. I think that, you know, it's had its teething pains uh, over the last <laughs> few months. Um, from what I see, they've kind of got their act together when it comes to uh, performance of their operating plans. Uh, I think that, they, you know, you're going to be in a situation where they're going to have their ups and downs again. They're looking to grow to 21 airplanes uh, between now and the end of the year, which is a significant presence. So uh, I think that the the future is rosy for Flair. Um, you know, you've got Lynx that's trying to catch up to the Flair model. And then you have, you know, Porter with their 20 jets between now and the end of the year coming into the market. So there's going to be a lot of capacity in Canada for domestic Canadian and for sun market destinations this winter. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.